Welcome back to the Rewired Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be having a conversation about the gospel. What is the gospel and how, how would you define the gospel? Today we're going to talk about how the definition that we give to what the gospel of King Jesus is all about actually has some serious implications in how we live our lives. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks for coming back again. So it's, I've been wanting to have this conversation with you over a long time because I've heard this religious word that sometimes we use at church, you know, the word gospel. And we have gospel music and we are saved by the gospel. And often what that translates to is like, we, we get to go to heaven. We get to avoid hell. I like to call it fire insurance. <laughs> and, and all that we think the gospel is, is just my sins get forgiven and it's all about me. But yeah. when I read the Bible, when I read what Jesus says, it doesn't tell me at all that that's what the gospel is. So I've been wanting to ask you because I want us to be rewired from what our idea is about what the gospel is. So that's my question for you today. What wow. is the gospel? Great question as always. It's and you know as you introduced it, this uh, this word gospel is just understood in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm just reminded. I mean, Jesus really sets the scene for us in Matthew four twenty three. We read that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. <laughs> so gospel is related to kingdom. Okay. And um, it's useful to go back to the original Greek. You know, the word translated gospel is euangelion. Okay. Uh, the u means with. EU is good, Gelion is news. Mm. So it is good news. Mm. And you've heard that as well. People speak about the gospel as being the good news. Yeah, yeah. But as you also said, uh, often we limit that to ourselves, we reduce it to it's good news that my sins are forgiven and mm. I'm okay with God. Yeah. Um, but certainly Jesus and the early church, the apostles, uh, taught gospel in a very different way. Yeah. So if you were living in biblical times and you were in Rome and walking about the city, uh, a messenger might come running into town, okay. you know, shouting, good news, good news, Evangelion. <laughs> and the good news might be something like, Caesar has achieved a great victory in wow. Asia. Oh, wow. And as I share this, he's marching back to Rome with many captives. Sure. Now, that would be the context of sharing good news. It would wow. be something like a military victory, mm. something about a king. Wow. Or the messenger might come into town and say, you and Gideon, you and Gideon, I bring good news. Prince so-and-so has been crowned king. We oh. have a new emperor. Wow. And this new emperor promises a better life for all. Wow. So it was good news about a king. Okay. Or a kingdom. Yeah. So definitely linked to kingship. I get you. I get you. The first thing that strikes me out of this concept is that it's not even a religious word. It almost sounds like a political, sociological kind of word. Yeah, exactly. Um, the writers of, of the New Testament were, were brilliant. And obviously God's spirit is working. Yeah. yeah. But the word that they used to describe gospel yeah. was this euangelion, which definitely had political and social wow. connotations more than religious. Wow. And we have turned it just into this religious term, but it actually is so more profound than that. Yeah. And it's all about the king or, or the kingship or yeah. the kingdom that he established. It was a message about a king. Message right. about a king. And that was obviously taken, you know, to describe the message about King Jesus. Wow. So wow. that's at the heart of the gospel. 
That, that's awesome. It actually reminds me of this amazing scripture in the book of Isaiah because the, the gospel is not just a New Testament word like sometimes we think. Right. It's actually all over the scriptures and it reminds me of this amazing story and, and we could read it, but it's, it's, it starts in Isaiah 52 verse 7, but it actually goes all the way to the end of Isaiah 53, this, this, this gospel being proclaimed. So I'm going to start reading mm. because you really brought this to my mind. Mm. It says... How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who brings evangelion, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Once again, the idea of kingdom and kingship there. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And then you keep on going and you keep mm-hmm. reading. But the idea that I hear here, I can even see the picture of what you said. I can see these little mm-hmm. young men <laughs> running into town. And the verse says, how beautiful are his feet, that he's running. Why? Because he's bringing this message saying, we got a king. And yeah. I love that way that he says, your king is coming back. He's yeah. returning. He's reigning. Right. It's a beautiful picture that, that I think you are putting before us here that the Bible is painting for us. It's yeah. about a king coming to set his throne and his kingdom in our right. lives. So that's a great, great passage to bring into it. Yeah. So it's a message about a, a king. And I love the way um, Michael Bates puts this. Now, Michael Bates wrote this amazing book, uh, Saved by Allegiance Alone. Hmm. And we picked up on that on a previous podcast where we equated faith faith. with allegiance. But he describes uh, the gospel as the power-releasing story of Jesus' life, death for sins, resurrection, and installation as king. Wow. At the root of the gospel is the resurrected Jesus is king. Come on. That's the good news. Come on. The resurrected Jesus is king. Right. I love that because I think that if we kept on reading on Isaiah 50 through 52, we would get to verse 13 and it talks about this suffering servant. Mm. And then you keep reading into Isaiah 53 that a lot of people might be very familiar with that, that beautiful description of and prophetic picture of what Jesus would do that you said that he would die on a cross and he would pay for the penalty of our sins, but he would be resurrected so this message definitely carries the idea of kingdom right. but also carries the idea of death and, and resurrection right yeah and the uh, you know the fact that you know jesus or other writers of the new testament use this word you and mm-hmm. certainly people associated with the king but obviously with a very different kind of mm-hmm. king hey? Yeah, it's not just a political, social king. Yeah. It's the king of the universe, the king of the world that resurrects and defeats death. Yes. So Jesus is king. That is the good news. Wow. What does that mean for us? Now, that's a very good question. I mean, just the statement going from the gospel is I'm forgiving from my sins, mm. that it's all about me, right. to the gospel is Jesus is king. It's all about him. Right. So already by the statement, it changes my paradigm to focus on him. And now practically speaking, what does that look like? Um, yeah. I, I want to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think maybe let's just come back a step. And, you know, the gospel in is the gospel is a gospel of peace. We read about that in Ephesians 6.15. Okay. Uh, the gospel is described as a gospel of hope. 
Colossians 1.23. Okay. The gospel is a gospel of the grace of God, mm. Acts 20.24. 20, so absolutely, salvation is a part of the gospel, but it's really the how. You oh, know, wow. You know, we, you know, the gospel is a gospel of peace, hope, and grace, exactly because, you know, Jesus, Jesus has defeated King. death. You know, Jesus is resurrected. Jesus reigns. Mm. We can't separate that. You know, we, we experience the peace, the hope, and the grace of God, yeah. the gospel, are really submitting, ultimately submitting to Jesus as King. King. So we can't separate those two ideas, as I hear you saying. Is <clears throat> if we want to experience grace, hope, and forgiveness, mm. and love, and peace, we first have to understand His Lordship, His Kingship. Yeah. And I think so. for so long we, we've tried, or at least I've tried to separate that. I wanted the, the benefits of, of the gospel. Mm. I wanted the grace, the peace, and the forgiveness, but I didn't really want to submit yeah. to anybody's authority I wanted to live my life the way that I want to. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, we read that the gospel is a gospel to be obeyed. Should we look at a couple of passages okay. there? Right? Yeah, and I think yeah. this is getting to the heart of what we're speaking about. All right. If the gospel is a recognition that, you know, there is a new king. Okay. And who, to whom we need to pledge allegiance okay. and loyalty and obedience. Yeah. And not surprisingly, the gospel is described as something to be obeyed. All right. Second Thessalonians 1.8 is one such passage. Okay. Are you there already? Yeah, yeah. Come on, read it, and then I'll skip ahead to the next one. Yeah, um, it's, it's in the middle of a sentence, yeah, so I'll true. just get yeah, into yeah. it. And it says, yeah, well, those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The phrase there is the obedience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the gospel is something to be absolutely uh, appreciated and joyed, mm. you know, in the sense that it does fundamentally change our yeah. lives and how we should live. Yeah. But it is something to be obeyed as well. Yeah. First Peter 4, let me read that one. Okay. First Peter 4, verse 17. Mm. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Right. So just as, you know, Roman emperors uh, expected obedience, mm. right, that is part of the gospel. Yeah. And it's good news, obviously, to submit to King Jesus, <laughs> because King Jesus is very different to the, to the kings of old mm. and to the Roman emperors. Yeah. And, you know, so I think let's just make that clear as well. This is a, <laughs> it's wonderful yeah. Uh, yeah, that the gospel sure. is opportunities to submit to to King Jesus. Yeah. Because yeah. as we've discussed often, we don't make very good lords of our own lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's just hard because I think we have such a negative view of authority and submission right. and, and we often have this idea that it's just going to be this burdensome task but the way that you're describing it absolutely jesus is a totally different mm. kind of king yeah. i would like to submit to him as my king not to just yeah. anybody so i i get that it's based on his character it's just it's difficult to hear because even the word authority and the mm. word submission have a oh. negative connotation. Right. So I think those are words that I need to be rewired mm. from. And I think we all need to be rewired from to start seeing it as blessings. Right. You know, we spoke about in our, one of our first conversations, the blessing of repentance. Yes. And we need to see submission as a mm. blessing. We need mm. to see uh, authority as a blessing because it is. It's Jesus commanding and guiding our lives, ruling over our lives mm. in a much better way than I ever could or that anybody 
could ever do. So I absolutely agree, it's just hard. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, yeah. No, it's shifting that focus from self, as you said. Mm. And there are wonderful and obvious individual blessings, mm. you know, it is wonderful to for me to be in right standing with God. Yeah. Uh, but the good news of the gospel goes goes way way beyond absolutely, that, you know? absolutely, and it calls me to just a fundamentally different way of living. Mm. Because a kingdom has what? A kingdom has a king, right? Absolutely. A kingdom has a people. A people <laughs> under the kingdom, exactly. and it also has I don't know laws and values by which to live. I get you. you I know? get you. Yeah, okay. definitely. Like, a different way of living. A different way of living. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's so integral to the gospel mm -hmm. is that we get to be rewired mm -hmm. and to live according to the values of the king. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the, you know, living according to the values of King Jesus mm -hmm. is where you know the hope, the peace, and the grace <laughs> come on. You know, co comes from. So that's what you mean by the how. Because when we submit to the values of King Jesus, then we will experience the grace, the peace, and the hope. But if I don't submit to those values, yeah. I'm not going to be able to experience it because I'm still trying to live my own life, being my own king, being my own Lord, right. pretending or saying that Jesus is my king, yeah. but not really living up to it. So of course, I'm not going to experience those things. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. So, so one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that Jesus, when he proclaimed the gospel, he was proclaiming the gospel of, of the kingdom. So we understand yeah, that the word had this social, political connotations, mm -hmm. but, but for the Jews who were hearing Jesus talk about this, what did that mean to them? What, what were they hearing when they heard the gospel of, of the kingdom? Yeah, interestingly, um, the, the threefold uh, ministry of Jesus, we refer to his preaching, mm -hmm. his teaching, and his healing. Yeah. But they were always associated with the kingdom that he was busy establishing. Now, Jesus okay. came to inaugurate, to start the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, you know, he preached about the kingdom. He taught about the kingdom. Mm. And even his healing ministry mm. demonstrated the, the power of the kingdom. Wow. So the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. In fact, that is the message of the Bible, isn't it? That's it a is. common thread. It the, is. It the is. Bible is all about the kingdom of God. And in the Old Testament, we read prophecies and predictions of the kingdom of God coming. Yeah. So Jesus was saying that what I am now yet to do yeah. is to herald in, to inaugurate, you know, the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as you mentioned, that would have been heard very differently. And obviously the expectations were different. Okay. okay. You know, the Jewish people, some of the Jewish people at least expected a kingdom like the kingdoms that that they needed to submit to, you know, yeah. the kingdoms that were ruling over them. Yeah, like Roman Caesar kingdom. in them. Yeah, exactly. So they expected a guy to kind of come and overthrow Caesar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So Jesus was obviously heralding in. He was bringing in a completely different kind of kingdom. Absolutely. The Isaiah 53-led kingdom, as you mentioned earlier. And that's the mind-blowing thing, because when, when we speak about this, obviously, that the He's inaugurating the kingdom. You, you do have this picture of this great leader on a horse riding, you know, to be like, hey, I've come triumphantly. But the picture in Isaiah 52 and 53 is like, yes, we have that great leader, mm -hmm. but he doesn't come with the sword just trying to, and he comes willingly, 
giving up yeah. his life. So in a sense, inaugurating the kingdom, establishing the kingdom comes through his death. Right. It, it, that's a mind-blowing statement. I, I often don't think of Jesus going to the cross as, as the moment of his enthronement. But, but that's what's happening. He's becoming king. He's inaugurating. Mm. He's launching the kingdom. Mm. So, so it's almost like, like you said, the whole Bible has this story, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the Old Testament telling us, hey, the mm. king is coming. But Jesus is the king has arrived and he's inaugurated through his death and his resurrection. Absolutely. But it's just a mind-blowing yeah. statement to put those pictures together. Yeah. And you can imagine how the, the years heard Jesus because of the, the socio-political situation at the time yeah. that Jesus came into. Yeah. It was about power. It was about the Roman Emperor. Yeah. And the Roman Empire. Yeah. And the word the gospel and kingdom would have been associated very differently. Yeah. To the kind of servant king who would go to the cross. You know, yeah. the Yeras probably pictured Jesus as 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 a Caesar kind of yeah. person and the kingdom as this physical, geographical kingdom. You know, that would overthrow Mm. Uh, the enemies of Israel and yeah. established Jesus as almost like a, a Roman emperor kind of king. I get right? you. I get you. So, so even the the power that they had misunderstood, it is not necessarily the power that they expected Jesus to bring. They wanted power politically or militarily or something like that. It makes me think of Jesus' conversation with Pilate. Where he tells him, like, thinking of that too, right? my kingdom <laughs> is not of this world. Otherwise, people would be fighting. Exactly. And that's what people were expecting. They were mm -hmm. expecting this military, political king that was going to come and fight everybody. Which to them would have been good news. You know, that was a euangelion that they heard. Okay. Uh, but we know Jesus turned it on its head, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that is a good news for us is, is that we have this kind of king, you know, who, who is victorious, yeah. who has power. The power to fundamentally change who yeah. we are and our lives and yeah. set us on a new course with a new identity and a new purpose. Wow. That, that is the, you know, the real good, good news. news. I was about to ask you, what, what does the good news mean to us? Because it's not this political king like the Jews were expecting. It's definitely not for us. I mean, I don't see anybody trying to establish a new way of government to say, hey, this is the way to do it. So definitely it's not what it means to us. So what does the good news, what is the power in the good news for us? Because I'm thinking of this phrase that N.T. Wright says, that Jesus didn't have a love for power, like mm -hmm. most kings, most exactly. emperors do. They just want power to govern it and oppress people. N.T. Wright says he had the power of love. Wow. And that, that mm -hmm. self-sacrifice, giving of himself, dying on behalf of others kind of power of love. I'm, I'm reminded then of this word savior, mm. you know, because as you said in the beginning, a lot of people understand, yeah. not totally incorrectly, but certainly incompletely, that the good news is that I have a savior, mm -hmm. you know, who saves me mm -hmm. from my sin and I can get to heaven one day. Yeah. And I think it does then, uh, yeah, lead me to think of what the word savior means. Okay. 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 Um, and it is rescue, isn't it? Mm, yeah. We need rescue. Absolutely. And part of the uh, original uh, understanding and connotations of the word, um, you know, gospel, the euangelion, yeah. was the expectation yeah. that the new king was going to rescue us. Was going to rescue us. That yeah. he was going to make the world a better place. Yeah. That he was going to take us out of all, you know, the problems that we experienced. Yeah. There was going to be economic growth. There was going to be unity. It was going to be an amazing new society. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously the Roman em 
emperors couldn't achieve that. No, no ruler or governing authority, you know, yeah. the president nowadays can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And they make all the promises, nothing's changed, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I get what you're saying. I mean, if I was in this situation back in the older times where my king is going against their king mm. and their king is oppressing us, of course, it would be good news to me to hear this guy coming from the mountain saying, your king has won, because yeah. then I'd be like, oh, I'll be free. But what we've seen through history is that when there's new political powers or systems come into play, there's always somebody that loses. So always yeah. somebody that it's oppressed, even though this new king promises a lot of good things, maybe for us. Some of us get to experience the benefits and some of us don't. So there's always this inequality and this oppression and this suffering. So like you said, no government, no political power has right. ever achieved to fulfill that promise that we're going to make everything better. So when we speak about Jesus being a rescuer, mm. we're talking about how he's going to rescue us from not just the, the, the situations and, and the that, that we like going to hell and rescue <laughs> from that, but, but rather saving us and rescuing us from from our evil and our injustice yeah. and our the, the, the habits and the ideas in our minds. And yeah. I, I don't know if I'm making yeah, sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I would summarize that in the one word brokenness. No. Okay. Jesus offers us rescue from the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of ourselves, you know? Okay. Jesus is busy restoring. Mm, okay. Absolutely. And so this concept of gospel, I think, is closely linked to rescue and restoration. Yeah. Rescue and restoration. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. that is the good news. You know, at the heart of the good news. That Jesus is king, and as a king, he's busy restoring all yeah. things. Yeah. He's restoring us as individuals, restoring mm. creation alongside, restoring the community. and Restoring societies, restoring how we engage with each other. Mm. Right? So that's the power. That's the power to restore. Yeah. Not necessarily the power to kind of come and, and rule over a new group of people, but, but the power to free us. I mean, I think of Isaiah 52 again, it says, preach good news to the captives. Yes. I think of um, Isaiah 61 or, or Luke chapter 4, that the, the blind will see, the lame will mm. walk. And like you said, he's inaugurating, he's freeing people from, from sin, from evil, from injustice. He's restoring all things. It, it makes sense. So that's what we mean when we say power. Um, there's scriptures, of course, about the power associated with the gospel. Okay. Aren't they? Should we look at it? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, should we start? Let's, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. I'm okay. sure you'd like to get into Romans as well. Definitely, definitely. First <laughs> uh, Thessalonians 1 verse 5, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'll read it. Um, mm. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among for your sake. But that that in power yeah. in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So the, the gospel is not just speaking about Jesus, which obviously Paul did. Mm -hmm. But the gospel comes with, with power. Not the power of a Roman empire, mm -hmm. no, but the power to transform people through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, yeah, the you. power to rewire, eh? yes. <laughs> and to bring about restoration mm. and seeing the world differently and the power to change the way we live. Wow. Always under the Lordship of King Jesus. Wow. The power to experience the grace, the hope, and the, the peace, the, the salvation, peace. the forgiveness. Because we're becoming new kinds of people, the new kinds of humans that Jesus is forming us to be. That, that, that's beautiful. 
that that definitely it's is a beautiful picture yeah yeah restoration mm -hmm. so you said romans one right mm -hmm. should i read it please do romans one um verse 16 for i am not ashamed of the gospel <laughs> for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as is reading, the righteous shall live by faith, by allegiance. It's interesting, Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. Why? Why did he have to say that? Because this gospel was very different to the submission of an authority that they were used to. Yeah. Uh, the good news of a king being militarily victorious. Yeah. You know, the gospel has Jesus dying on a cross. Yeah. Resurrecting from the dead, certainly. Yeah. No, but it, it has as an important component this Isaiah 53 yeah. kind of suffering servant. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's a temptation to be ashamed of that. You know, it was like, wow, yeah. how, can you, how can you follow this king who died on a cross? Exactly. Because, because I'm not ashamed of that because there's power in it. Because even though we know he resurrected, other people didn't see him resurrect mm -hmm. as the gospel was spreading throughout all the regions. So they probably thought like, you're crazy. Exactly. People don't come back from the grave. What are you talking about? And this disciples were so convinced of that. Mm -hmm. So unashamed about it. And I love that, that they, they were not ashamed where it could be a very shameful thing. It could have definitely become a very like weird story yeah. that people were like, you're crazy. Where's your king? If he's alive, mm -hmm. where, where is he? What is he changing? How are things different? Yeah. So definitely you, you could have that temptation to be ashamed. But Paul wasn't. And I think we shouldn't either. Yeah, If I'm honest, sometimes I look at the world mm. and I look at the brokenness mm. and I look at the things that are so bleak all around us. Yeah. And, and I'm tempted to be like ashamed, to be, yeah. to say Jesus is restoring all things. And then everybody looks at me, but how about what happened at Lebanon the, the other week? What about what's happening in Zimbabwe? About, yeah. about the, all the wars and violence. And it's just. And, and the broken societies. Yeah. You know, this doesn't always seem like good news. Yeah. Right? It doesn't seem like he's reigning and restoring all things. Right. But that's part of just the, the, the you know, the, the faith and the hope that we have as Christians and what we have experienced mm. uh, in ourselves and, and in the church. You know, God is using to, to restore all things. Okay. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I do believe that. God is busy restoring all things and we are his, his agents. Um, and, and yeah, I do believe that he has the power. It's just, it's just tempting sure. like they were mm. to be ashamed yeah. because we don't see it sometimes in action. Yeah. But the conviction is there. The power of God to restore, to save, to rescue. I would say though, interestingly, I know that in the context of the Roman letter, There was a lot, you mentioned um, racial prejudice. There was a, a lot of um, divide because of, of race and ethnicity and culture. So it is interesting to me that, that kind of Paul talks about that even in, in, the, fir in the first phrase, you know, um, the power for salvation for, to everyone who believes. And he mentions those both groups that are in tension due to the Greek. And, and it's a conversation maybe we can have next week where we talk about how the gospel yes. has the power to, to bring that reconciliation yeah. when there's prejudice and division and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think that's a very important part of the gospel. Certainly, Paul, as we know, in almost all of his letters addressed, you know, how 
in Christ through the gospel, the wall of hostility mm -hmm. has been broken. Mm -hmm. And I think if we just look at our society nowadays and the brokenness of yep. it, yep. Um, I think, yeah, we, we, we should address that. It's such an important uh, part of, of, of the message. Mm -hmm. The living under the lordship of Jesus brings reconciliation and restoration Come on. to whole societies and communities. Come it's on. not just a personal thing. That's right. It and is God. It's the resurrected Jesus at work in the world. Wow. Come on. I love that. I love that. And it becomes very practical because then we can start seeing it in ourselves, in our lives, and in our communities. I like that the resurrected king brings reconciliation and restoration. Yeah. I'm definitely keen to talk about that next week. The gospel is a story of, of how Jesus came to be enthroned as the universal king. Amen. The gospel is the message of how, how Jesus, Jesus came to be enthroned as the universal, universal king. Come on. Thank you for joining us in our conversation today at the Rewired Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, make sure to tune in for the next one as we will continue uncovering the topic of the gospel and how it has some serious implications in our lives. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about it, please follow us on our Instagram page at rewired underscore PE or look for us on our YouTube channel in Rewired. Find more content like this one. We believe as Rewired that God can change our lives by changing the way we think. Thank you again and hope to see you again soon.